Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. Official, huh? <laughs> Do people have a good evening? It was asked already, but I'll ask it again. Yeah? yeah? You eat a nice breakfast? Yeah. All full up? Yeah. It's lunch soon, too. <laughs> Isn't it wonderful to be in the presence of God? I'm going to try and take us through a little journey um, this morning. And we'll start with Matthew 28, verse 18, which we all almost know off by heart. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. How much authority? How much? We're going to get very, you know, interactive. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. How long? I want you to think, how long? We used to just, yes, always. But I'm going to We're talking about the presence of God and the hunger for the presence of God. As if he's not around. You see what I'm going to get at? It's like, oh, Father, oh, Jesus, please come. And surely I will be with you always. How long? Always. So where is he? Do we beg? You're going to get me after a while because I think this is what I find where where I go. It's the, oh, we need the presence. Oh, we're lacking something. And, um, and oh, Lord Jesus, please come. And it's like, I want to get up and shout, but he's here. There's no begging. He's here. Surely I will be with you always. He doesn't come and go and come and go. Oh, good boys and girls, I'll come. Bad boys and girls, I go. He's here with us whether we've done right or wrong. He just remains. But it's interesting that Jesus tells them he's going to be with them always. All authority Uh, He passes his authority to them and then says, I'll be with you always. And then in Acts 1, (laughs) Jesus is with the 11 and he gives them this commission. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that my father's promised. He tells them, I'm going to leave you now. But he just said, I'm going to be with you always in Matthew And in Acts 1, he says, I'm leaving you now. Interesting, huh? 
But wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. He was gone. <laughs> it's all very quiet here now. But it's quite amazing when you think of this journey. I'm going to be with you. I'm gone. And the disciples must have thought, what is this? And they went up to the uh, upper room, the eleven and eventually the 120 men and women together, and it says, and Mary, the mother of Jesus. It's I mean, amazing. And they waited. And how scary. Like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And then something happened. The Holy Spirit came in power. And they were filled to overflowing. He came as he had promised. Because in John 14, verse 16, it says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. How long? Forever. So is the counselor here now? Yes. Where is he? Oh, we carry him around. I'm going to tease it out of you. I really want to get to the, oh, we are so powerful in him. Do you see? Because we pick up from, um, well, from the outside world, but we pick up even from each other. Sometimes we pick up from the songs we sing that we are so desperate for something. But you know, He's here. He's in each one of us. If you are a disciple of Jesus, he's in, he's in you. We just carry him around. He loves us to bits. He thinks we're great. At the moment, he's rejoicing over us here with singing. He's swishing his garments all over us. And we're thinking, but who am I? And it is what you said, John. It's Jesus first, but then my name comes before that. I think that's the big thing. What must I do? I should be different. I should. I should. Instead of, now hold on, he lives in us. Do you know when you became born again, you died. Those are the bones. You died. You're dead. Can I have a bit of... I'm, I'm African. We are quite noisy. And this isn't a Sunday morning. This is this is us at a weekend. Let's talk. Let's be family. You may put your hand up even and interrupt or whatever. But it is because we're here to learn, to get to know him, all of us together. And we never arrive. It's a, it's a learning journey until we see him face to face. But the counselor will be with us how long? So did Jesus tell the truth when he said, I'll never leave you? Yes. But somehow, 
it's like we're waiting for revival. Yeah? But as if it's going to drop over there, let's go to that bush. But you must hear me. Uh, do you know what I didn't say last night is I'm itinerant. I'm based in Cambridge and part of the staff. But I'm out, and Greg and I are out, at least three Sundays a month. Um, doing weekends. Two weekends ago, I did a weekend like this in Wales. Yeah. And the weekend before in East Sussex. And next weekend, we're in Solihull in Birmingham. So we get around... So when I say I've been to the church and seen the what it feels like, and it's going pretty well, it, the church in the UK is good. May I say to you, the church in the UK is good. Church, Really, the church in the UK is good. But sometimes the enemy tries to get in with a feel of, but you know, you, you just don't have enough. You just don't have enough. There's something out there that's going to drop on you. You know, these chocolate fountains, and you put strawberries in or whatever, you know. Sometimes it feels like it's a bit like that. We're waiting for the, the bit of chocolate to come from God. To, and, and that's what I pick up. And in me, I roar, because it's like he's given us everything for life and godliness already. We have it all. That's a shocker. But we have it all. We have it all already. The Bible says, work out what Christ has put in. And so it's a matter of revival comes from me. And then, you know, I stir up what's in me of him and get passionate for him. And then it meets his passion and boom. Something explodes. Do you see? It's not here we sit. And suddenly, wow, here comes this overflow. The, the, the um, Acts 2 met him in the disciples already. Do you see? They were his people. And the power came to meet him in them already. Amazing. Amazing. And so he wants to come and meet with him inside you this weekend in a whole new way. You up for that? Yeah. Nervous? Yeah. But, but it is because he's God. He's scary. I don't know what he's going to do and nor do you. But he is good. He's not a tame lion. But he is a good one. He is very, very good. And he is attracted to faith. He is attracted to us linking to him and saying, Oh, Lord, you've given me so much. I'll have some more. Do you see the difference? Instead of, oh, who am I? You know, sometimes there's a humility that is not quite nice to look at. It's a, but you see, I'm just a worm, and I'm a nobody. And, and we sometimes feel that that is being godly, but it's actually quite unbiblical and denying what God has said about us. You know, we should be the people whose heads are lifted. 
The Bible says the Lord is the glory and the lifter of our heads. And he says, lift up your heads, O ye gates, so the King of glory may come in. But you know, it's like, now we're going to conquer the world. <laughs> Do you ever feel like that? You, you may not. It's okay. Because that's what happens. We have an enemy who says, who do you think you are? And if you say, I'm full up with the Holy Spirit, what are people going to say? And then you've got to act all good. And what if I can't act good? And the mind goes, you know, crazy. Because what we have is a battle for the mind. And so often we want to heal everybody's bones and so on. And God says, heal the bones, but get to the mind as well. Because it's the mind where the battle is. And Jesus is living in us fully with everything. And as we link into him, he comes and fills us over and over. So revivals in the past, you had somebody suddenly start praying. As they had stirred up themselves. And sometimes I think in one revival it was a little boy who stirred himself up and prayed, and the Holy Spirit came in power. Um, but that doesn't mean revivals all happen like that. But revival comes when we ourselves are stirred up. We stir up our own dry bones and become this nice dolly walking around, all big and fat. Because in Christ, we are all big and fat. You must understand. We are all big and fat, or we should Think that we are all big and fat. Theologically, we should be all big and fat in our minds. Yeah? There is no anorexia in theology in the Bible. There's no anorexia of the word. Do you see? But sometimes we act all anorexic. Oh, I don't know what he's going to do. And so on, instead of, well, I don't know what he's going to do, but he will do something good. Do you see the difference? Do you know what we speak is what we get? Because we speak ourselves out of faith and confidence. And we sometimes believe it's humble. And I think coming from another culture and coming into this culture, it is, it's a wonderful culture of humility but sometimes the enemy uses the humility and takes Christians' courage away. Do you know what I'm saying? You can answer. It's like, yeah, but we're not allowed to. We're not to. You know, I do various seminars on gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I say, who's got the gift of this and that? And it's like, well, am I allowed to say? And yet, the Bible says, eagerly desire spiritual gifts. And so it's a matter of, oh, yes, I've got these, now give me more. I stood at Cambridge Church, and I said, you know, I'm so loaded with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they're dripping off my fingers. Yeah. And people look like, whoa! <laughs> it's not quite the thing you say, is it? <laughs> and then I turned it and I said, and so are you. And so are you. Do you see? It's the confidence in him who has given this book. And this book says he's given us everything. He lives in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. We have 
died. He bought us at a price. We no longer belong to ourselves, but to him. And therefore, if he says to me, jump, I say, how high? Do you see? Because I, he's my master, but not in that slave kind of way. It is the best, he's the best kind of master because he wants to do me good and he wants to do you good. And so he comes to, to help us. But we have free will to decide, am I going to, what about, and so on. But he then comes and just helps and shapes us and guides us. But he wants to come and bring a confidence in himself and what he has said in us in a whole new way. Because this nation is waiting. I'm going to say it again. This nation is waiting. You know, politically, this nation is shaking a bit now. Are we in? Are we out? And all those things. But, but it is. It's big things. And we are the hope. We are the hope. But it's as if we are waiting for something to happen out there. And uh, it'll come and drop on me. Instead of, whoa, no. He's in here. And sometimes we say, Lord, come and do something. And he says, actually, I've done it. I'm waiting for you. <laughs> do you see? I'm waiting for you. Yeah, but you didn't tell me. But it's in the Word. And we're waiting for something supernatural to happen. When he has spoken in here, and as we follow, he speaks to us and guides us and helps us. And I want you to take two minutes, and you're going to talk to the person next to you. <laughs> this is going to be interactive. Because I don't want you to, it, it's a training. It's, it's, I don't want you to go out and, I've spoken, and you think, well, what was that? I, I want something to happen because in the next session we're going to do ministry. You are going to do ministry. Do you see? You are going to do the ministry because the world is waiting. And if this is the presence of God, the presence of God is with us. And as we acknowledge, hmm, He's in me. And if somebody doesn't have confidence, go to somebody with a bit of confidence in God and let's pray him through, the person, him or her through, into a confidence of the presence of God. But he's so full here. Last night, during the worship and this morning, he is so full here that I think, well, I can go home. <laughs> but you must understand that. He is so here. You guys are so full up with Holy Spirit power. And it's taking the step to acknowledge that. It's like, yes, I am full up. Enemy, away in Jesus' name. More than, well, somebody's going to come and tell us how to be full up with the Holy Spirit. I've come to tell you, you are. Glory to God. And, and, for you, and it's not about how good you are. Did you read your Bible this morning? Did you sin yesterday? Did you? It's not about that. Because he's forgiven us once and for all, but then on a daily basis we come back to him. But he's forgiven us. 
and he's given us everything. And therefore, from that point, we say, well, I'm not always a good girl, but Lord, I know you love me. And therefore, I'm going to take you at your word and step out and try a few things. So I told you last night I tried a few things. I only told you the tiniest smattering of the things. And I felt like a nobody and a nothing, and, a, and it was a nobody and a nothing, and a, but I had him. Do you see? I've always known that I've got him. So I stepped out with fear and trembling, and somebody asked me last night, were you always sure that he would, was there? Well, I had to be sure. I was in such a scary place that I had to be sure. And also, I had given him to others. And if I start doubting, what about all those? Do you know? What about all those who I've led to him? So I had to be sure. And he came through and proved himself. So in twos, quickly... I want you to say, tell each other how confident you are in who you are in God. Scary, eh? That is us. <laughs> but it puts you on the spot. It's a working thing.
Winding down now, please. Let's see how, how obedient everybody is. <laughs> He's got the power. So, how many confident people do we have here? I'm quite serious. <laughs> Who finds, and look, we family together. So this is a safe place. And it's not an embarrassment. It is, we've got to move on together. And so who finds they do not have confidence in who they are in God? Up and down. Okay. Okay. You know, in, in John 14, Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my, in my Father and you in me. And I in you. Is that true? Yes. I've just read it from the Bible. <laughs> but this is real. Is that true? Yes. So, read it again. Must I read it again? I will not leave you as orphans. The enemy's plan is to make us feel like orphans. And it's called an orphan spirit. And it needs to be broken over us. I will come to you, said Jesus, yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Now when Jesus speaks, does he speak truth? I think it's in Numbers he says, God is not a man that he should lie. Does he speak and then not act? Now he says, I will come to you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. True? Yes. So those who battle a bit with confidence, is that true? 
Did he say, I will not leave you? Is it a given? Because I live, you will also live. Is that a given? In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. That's powerful. Father, I ask that this comes alive in each one of us. We're never too, too uh, mature to actually uh, need to grasp this over and over and over. Father, I want to ask that any orphan spirit that would try and come and rob us of who we are in God will be broken over us this morning in the name of Jesus. You know, we have the full power and authority to break anything over anybody in the name of Jesus. Because it's not about me or you. It's about him and his name. And when we break things in his name, the enemy has to flee. He just has to flee. And Father, I want to ask for something new here this morning. I want to ask, Lord, that those who do not have that confidence will be confident by the time they leave tomorrow. I want to ask that, Father, in the name of Jesus, that there will be a wonderful exchange and that those who are more confident will be even more confident because we can never have enough confidence in who God is. Never have enough. There's always more of that confidence because we're growing daily. You know, we have two adopted grandsons in Cape Town. Um, so when, when the first one was being adopted, he was nine days old. And we had a biological grandson here in this nation. And so our grandson, Tulani, was three months old when we flew to Cape Town to go and meet him. And I wondered, he's adopted, will I feel about him like I do about the biological one? Because you don't know, what will I feel? So we got off at Cape Town Airport, and my daughter handed me this blue bundle. And I took him, and I growled. You come near him, you're dead. <laughs> he was mine. He was all Mine. You mess with him, never mind Grace. <laughs> but you, that's the that's the feel that grandparents have. That's the feel that parents have for their kids. But that's the feel that grandparents have. Ooh, oh, he's mine. Um, and you know, God spoke to me through that because he's not connected to me in any way, even from a different culture. And yet he was mine. He and, and um, his brother, they've done nothing to deserve anything. But they've been put in this family. They have got my son-in-law's surname. When their mother and father die, they will inherit how much? Everything. Everything. So Jesus died for us, connected us to the Father. We're not orphans. We are sons and daughters seated in heavenly places. 
when somebody mess with us. In Psalm 18, David writes, I called to the Lord and he swooped down from heaven and he came to rescue me. Why? Because he loves me. Not because David had done anything and David wasn't always a good boy. Do you see? Because he loves me. And so these two boys of ours, we just love them. They're the apple of our eye. And it's like, whoa, they're the same as any of our other grandchildren. They, they're ours. How much more? How much more? If a child asks his father for a piece of bread, will he give him a stone? If you are evil, know how to do good, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to them and ask? We are living in the how much more times. How much more? How much more does Jesus love us? Does the Father growl of us? You mess with them. They, the, he calls us the apple of his eye. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, somebody said this morning we were chosen. He knows. He knows our rot, by the way. He knows where we've come from. He knows what we're going to do tomorrow. He knows we're going to scream and shout or tell a lie or whatever. He knows. And he knew that and he still said, look at that one's mine. I'm going to shape that one and be available. Do you see? That's us. If that isn't rich, then I don't know. And he says, I've chosen you. You did not choose me. You see, he, he's lumped with us. He's responsible for us. Our two grandsons, we are responsible for them. We take full responsibility. Um, they're in Cape Town. I FaceTime them. They show me all their pictures and their soccer football boots. Liverpool fans, you know. <laughs> and I've had to send over the scarf and the... The, 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 even the bedding, the everything. So you walk in there and it's Liverpool, you know. Uh, but they've, they're involved in everything. And we wouldn't withhold a thing from them. If we could afford everything, we would give it to them. How much more will the Father give to us? He chose us. He's responsible for us. And he says, I've given you everything. Now, come on. Come on. All we need to do is accept it. But it's difficult to accept. But because how can I? What if? What if he doesn't pitch? What if he doesn't act according to what he said? What if he doesn't? But you know... It's not a matter of looking at what if he doesn't. Somebody said to me in the you know, when I came back from the townships, you won't die in the townships. Now I could have. I lived a life of dicing with death every day, really. And they said to me, Oh, you will you will never die in the townships because God put you there. He'll keep you secure. I thought that's not how it is. Because he put me in the township doesn't make me, I'm never going to die there. What about the martyrs? What do you see? And so I sat with God one night, weeping, 
feeling very sorry for myself, saying, Lord, I don't want to die with my throat slit. I don't, and I went through the whole thing of how I would like to die then. <laughs> An AK-47 at my head and bah, and it's over. But it's real. It's very real to sit with God like... Um, and God took his time to answer me that evening. And he eventually said to me, if you die in the township, he didn't say you won't. He said if you do, you will die well. I will give you the grace to die well. But I can't give it to you before the time because you don't need it. And I was like, well, okay. I had to accept that, but you're here. I had to accept that. So I'd, I would wake up in the morning and think, do I have grace to die? I'm very serious. That's more powerful than God saying to me, you will never die in the township. That would have been quite boring because it wouldn't, it wouldn't have taken faith. But it was a matter of, do I have grace to die? No. Therefore, I can go and I did stuff that will make your hair stand on end because risks for the people because I could, because I knew I didn't have the grace to die. Do you see how powerful? God gave me something more powerful by the promise of grace to die well. Any questions? Did I blow your minds now? Does it make sense? That was more powerful than you will never die there. Every day, will I die? No. Therefore, I can. Therefore, I can go to the security police and say, stop. Therefore, I can rescue those children from being shot by police. Therefore, I can put myself in the firing line, as it were, because when, when David was getting the goodies together to build the, for Solomon to build the temple, David said to Solomon, don't be discouraged. Your work will not be over you won't die until all the work for the service of the temple of the Lord is over. Therefore, we are unkillable and undiable until everything that God has planned for us is done. Isn't that amazing? Therefore, I could go in and say, I've got no grace to die. It hasn't come yet. Therefore, I can take a, ch take a chance. Does it make sense? Questions? Oh, no, not anymore. Then, now I didn't say, am I, am I going to die today? I said, do I have grace? I asked myself. No, I don't want to die. I just knew I didn't want to die. If I, if I was going to die, he would have given me some knowledge, something in me, because he's good and he's kind and he's generous. And you see, I saw him heal blind eyes and deaf ears. I saw the lame walk. Um, so... He can give grace for me to die well. Do you see? What he said, he did. I went into one um, shack, and there was a woman who'd been in bed for 15 years, couldn't get out of bed, something wrong with her legs. So we prayed, and nothing happened. So we left. And I was going to do open-air evangelism. And then I heard the footsteps behind me, Mama, Angela, wait for me. And there she was. And she came running, and I was like, oh, okay, come. And she was part of us giving the gospel. It was so normal 
that now I, when I look back, I think, wow, look what God did. But it was so normal because the situation was abnormal. And so God did normal, he did normal stuff. This is, this is what he said he would do, so he did it. And this is our inheritance. We read it and we think, yes, but. But you know, this is our inheritance. Anybody up for their inheritance? Yes. If, if a, apparently there's lots of attorneys, lawyers in this church. Yeah? So, if a lawyer, an attorney, lets you know that there is a bequest from an estate and there is 500,000 pounds waiting for you, that would be a nice letter to get. Would you go and go to the lawyer and say, this is me, and get your 500 pounds? Jesus died and left us an inheritance of everything, of everything that was his, is ours. But it's like, I better not go near that office because I'm not good enough. I'm not. But you weren't good enough to receive the 500,000 pounds anyway because you didn't earn it. I think we're an earning kind of people. Yes, he will like us if I. If I have many quiet times, he will like me. If I um, am a good person, he will like me. I haven't preached the gospel today, so he won't like me. But it's not about that. His presence is in us forever and ever and ever. And as we log into him, we come alive in him. Talk to me. What do you think? Um, what are our, in your view, what are apartheid? Because obviously there's no shacks. What's your apartheid? You're saying that the situation was so crazy that God, being God and doing what he did, just turned everything on its head. Um, what, what do you see? I think in this nation it is loneliness. It is, you know, when we go into different um, towns and cities, there are all these shops that you can buy, new age stuff, and so on. So you get uh, crystals that you can put in your pocket and you can rub them for luck, and you know. And people are hungry for the supernatural. So hungry. So hungry to see somebody do something. So they get attracted to this because it's so readily available. But that's not the real deal. And when they mess with that, they get demons attached to it. We've got the real deal. We've got all this to give away. Not to walk around slapping everybody with the gospel and so on. But it's the confidence to know he lives in me. He's given me everything. I'm going to give it a go and I'm going to pray with someone now. I, for me, I take no responsibility if someone's healed or not. Because believe it or not, I'm your visiting speaker, but I don't know how to heal anybody. Do you see? I say that because sometimes we think, I've got to heal them. And I've got to do this. He said, lay your hands on the sick. 
So I do that. I will pray for anybody. The outcome belongs to him. He always does something. That's why I'm generous with my hands. Because it is. You see, we are so full of Holy Spirit power that he, he moves through us and through our hands. So in Acts 4, when Peter and John went into the temple and you know, he healed the man at the gate, beautiful, and they were put in the prison, and then they were told, do not go. Acts 4, do not go and talk in that name. Immediately, they were out there with their friends, and they called together, Sovereign Lord, see what they're doing now. We're all going to keep quiet. We're so scared of the the thing that they told us, that we're not allowed to speak the name of Jesus, that we're going to hide away. Did they do that? No. They said, Lord, now empower us. They said, we may not say the name of Jesus. You said, we must say your name. Who wins? And they said, Stretch out your hand to do signs and wonders. Because you see, as we stretch out our hand, he's in us and on us. It's him stretching out his hand. So um, I've led hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people to the Lord in South Africa. And I haven't led hundreds to the Lord here. It's different. But I can easily lead people to the Lord here. Because I expect him to do what he did in, in South Africa or wherever. He's the same God. I don't look at the culture or climate or whatever. It is same Bible, same God for anywhere where he puts one. So I expect the same from him. Yeah. So people say to me, we all want to go to Africa because that's where it happens. But it's like, Why? If he's put you here, he's given you everything for here. Because the Bible says that before time, he prepared good works in advance for us to do. Therefore, if we're here, this is where our good works are. Therefore, the same as what you would do in Africa, you would do here. And therefore, I see him do things here. So when we lay hands on people, my kind of evangelism is, I will go and say to someone, Hello, how are you doing? And in my mind I'm saying, Father, do something. Do you see? So it's, it's not always me needing to lead someone to the Lord. It's me being generous. You don't always have to put hand on because it's not always permissible here. And, and it's not always right. But just your voice speaking, being kind and generous and gentle and so on, is massive. Oh, tea time. <laughs> no, that's all right. I'll, I'll just, I'll just end this. Um, and so, I'm generous with my hands because I know hands are a blessing. In systematic Wayne Rudem's systematic theology, he says, he, he says. He's talking about the graces that God has given to the church. And he says, one of the, you know, it's foot washing, which we, but he talks about it in a different way, being generous to each other. And Holy Communion and so on, it's all graces. But then he says, it's the laying on of hands. And he calls himself 
this present author. Because he says, this present author was surprised when he looked at the Gospels and saw how people came to Jesus. And, and it says, and they looked to Jesus' hands and said, will you lay your hands on? And he was surprised at how many times Jesus' hands were mentioned. And he said, it seems like in the West, the anointing of the hands is missing. So he said, one anoints elders but not in other ways. Promotion of laying on hands is not the same. Very interesting. And I thought, ah, that's why I touch everybody. <laughs> but I had to learn. I come from a cold family. And when I went to the townships, God said to me, hug. Thought, but I don't hug. <laughs> we don't hug. But we had this thing to overcome. White and black didn't touch. So as I started to hug, I had to learn to hug, and it became my trademark, because as I hugged, oh, the power, I could feel the power leave, and the person changed. So I've hugged people into healing, without saying, oh, Father, will you please come and hug them, because my mind is, is in me. Oh, who I touch, something happens. And it's what God wants, not what I want. And that's not just about me. I want this to go into you. This is how powerful we are. We can do all these things. We walk around with the aroma of Christ oozing off us, dripping off us. We are atmosphere changers. I better You must go for tea. I will... Remind me, atmosphere changes, and I'll pick up there. Okay. Okay. Right. I stopped on atmosphere. Yeah. We are atmosphere changes. Because he lives in us, where we go, if we could only see in the heavenlies, everything separates. Because he lives in us. He's alive. And everything separates as we walk. We don't know it. And so we just walk. Instead of, hold on, Wherever I go, demons give way. Oh no, not her again. <laughs> but that's all, that's for all of us. Because it's not about me or you, it's him. And you see, it's not about being good. Or how many times did I preach the gospel? Or you might think, well, Angela's done a work. And therefore she's acceptable. It's not about that at all. He prepared good works in advance for me to do. I walked in it. He, I will get a jewel one day for obedience. All the stuff, the outworking, the, 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 the stuff that happened, he gets a jewel for that because he did it. Do you see? We obey, but the end result is always his. He heals. He delivers. He got right what I did in the township. How can I do that? He did it. 
but I get the jewel for obedience. It makes sense. It's, it's a big thing to get hold of because we are microwave Christians, cold food, microwave, ping, hot food. Give the gospel to somebody. Oh, they didn't accept the Lord. And so we don't actually um, tell people, do you know what I did? Oh, I actually mentioned the name of Jesus at work. We don't say that because, but I didn't lead them to the Lord. Instead of applauding God for opening the opportunity just to be able to say his name or to be kind to say, we must celebrate the small things. The gospel at the end, if someone gets saved, glory, hallelujah, more Lord. But it's not about that. It's about delighting in the small things. And then you get so full of courage, you think, I'm going to go for it now. Now I want the big one. Do you see? Instead of, oh, I spoke to someone so they didn't accept the Lord. And we run ourselves down and we stop talking about Jesus because we think it didn't work. I'm not an evangelist because... They didn't come to the Lord. We're not microwave Christians. We are people on a journey, allowing people to come to the Lord on a journey. Yeah? And it's all grace. So when I went into the township, I was much younger, so less mature. But it's very important to, to see that. Uh, I can now look back and say, this is what happened. But at the time, I didn't know what was going to happen. I wasn't nice and kind and generous and all those kind of things. But it was grace. He allowed me to do that because that's what he had planned. And it wasn't about how I was doing and whether I shouted at my kids the day before or not. It was about, I'm forgiven, the grace of God opens up door for me. So I could drive in the township, being quite cross at various things that happened, get in and see the most powerful things and think, oh, so it's not about me. It's not about how I feel or my mood. or It's about him. It's not about us. It's not about us. You see, we're very important in our own lives. It's all about me. But it's not. It's the church. For God so loved the world. The world that he gave. Then we as individuals are saved. But it's for the world and we are together. The church together is so powerful. But we work as individuals. And I think the West is very individualistic. And therefore, it's about me and how I feel and so on. And God says, but I know how you feel. But I've still got things planned for you. Even in the feelings. Overcome the feelings. Just go. Just go and do. And you, you don't feel like you are worthy of doing something. But you know what? We aren't. There's a shock. <laughs> we aren't. But he's worthy and he came and put his hand on us, and if he thinks it's all right for him to choose me and prepare this for me to do, whom am I to argue? But that doesn't mean I'm perfect by any means. Ask Greg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
And may I say, that doesn't mean also when I take, you know, I get bookings coming in from all over, and sometimes I think, oh, five hours drive, do I really want to do that? It's not, yes, here I go. Advancing the kingdom, I drive. And I think, oh, now I must go and do this. But when I go and do it, something happens, the grace comes. And he doesn't say, well, I didn't like your attitude. When you got this booking, you should have jumped for joy. You didn't. You were miserable and complained. Therefore, I'm going to move it to someone else. He's not like that. It's about, well, I don't feel like it, but I will do it anyway. And then something happens. His grace is so... It's just, we're not a people of grace. We kind of condemn too quick and see the worst and the negative. He just sees good. He just sees good over us because he sees Jesus. We're clothed in robes of righteousness. That's amazing. And um, when he looks on us, doesn't matter how we've been, he just thinks, oh, look at my lovely one there. Wow, look at this one. And he says to the angels, look, look at that one. And that's how he feels about every single one of us. It's not about if we're trying to be good or trying to earn, we haven't understood the Father's heart. We haven't understood adoption. We haven't understood that he chose us. And he chose us as he fills us with the Holy Spirit who starts reshaping us. Our job is to obey. And even when we don't obey, he gives us another chance. He just comes over and over. Have you ever come to a meeting like this? And you get a word. And your heart beats and the mouth goes dry because you're so scared to come to this thing. <laughs> And, um, and you don't. You don't bring the word. And somebody else brings your word. Has it happened to you? And you think, oh, I have that word. And you walk home with your tail between your legs. It was like, oh. And the whole morning is robbed because you didn't bring that. You know. I've been there too, yes. Um, and then two Sundays time, your heart beats because he gives another word. And this time you obey because you know the feeling of having missed out. He just comes over and over and over. Um, when, when I heard about Grace, the, the, the man Terry Virgo, who started our movement of churches, he came to Cape Town, and, and South Africa, as you can imagine, wasn't a grace place at all. Um, and he said to us, so the man is in the army. And you're walking in your uniform, and it's, yes, sir, no, sir, three bags full, sir. But then the time comes where you are, your army training's finished, and you put on your civilian gear, and you walk out with your suitcase. And the sergeant calls, uh, corporal, or what, who's the least one? What is, what would the least Private. one? Private. Private. And you go, ooh. And then you think, hold on. I'm in ordinary clothes. My, my training is finished. Bye-bye, <coughs> Sergeant. And off you go. Do you see? We are all now 
in mufti, in ordinary clothes, when we, before we knew Jesus, we were in uniform, being told what to do and controlled by our, all our negative emotions and so on. But he's come and he's freed us, taken off the old uniform. Now the enemy comes and says, why aren't you doing this? Ooh, or who do you think you are? You must obey me. Ooh. And then you think, now hold on. Do you know who I belong to? I don't wear you, your uniform anymore. And it just explained grace. Grace is comes and declares that we are free and whole and righteous. Whether we do good works tomorrow or not is not the point. Whether we do anything for God again is not the point. It is, thank you, Lord. We don't have to do a thing. He just loves us. And I do what I do, not because I'm earning any right to and I'm better and so on. I just love him to bits. I just think he is absolutely marvellous. He blows my mind. And therefore, because I love him, I think, oh, let's go and let's go and tell others. Do you see it's out of that more than I now have to go and do this. If that, if that's what I would never have gone into the townships if it was to earn the approval of God because it was too difficult. But I just thought, I know him. And there's a people suffering. I've got to. Never mind me. I've got to go and tell them and rescue them so that they will know him because I'm so blessed. Let's bring the blessing. Do you see the difference? It's all about grace and loving him to bits and worshipping him and letting him flow through us to others. I can't earn anything. The more I try to earn, the less I get right, the more miserable I get. You know. It, it, it's like, if you try to earn, it's never enough. I'm going to do this for God. I think I'll do that. But the enemy says, and you haven't done this. And so I'm going to do that. And in the end, um, and any of us can get into that cycle, by the way. You can even get into that cycle when, you know, by uh, serving God. And the enemy says, but hold on. You've given them bread, but what about soup? Now you've given them bread and soup, but what about justice? Now you must, and he adds things on. All that because we're trying to earn. Instead of, you know, Jesus only did what he saw his father doing. And therefore he had the energy to keep on going. But we do what we see our father doing, and then we, oh, I better do this too, and then that. And, and there's this book, um, uh, Oswald Chambers, My Utmost for His Highest. And I just love what he says. I mean, it's mind-blowing. It, it's um, the need is not the call. Yeah, but they need. Look at all these people need. And, and with my gifting, I've got to watch out for that because I am compassionate and, you know, I hate to see oppression, love justice and so on. So I've got to watch out because the needs are all over. I want to be in Syria in the refugee camp. I want, I want to be all over, but the need is not the call. And so we've got to, this one thing I do, we've got to find our own call with God. And we've each got a call. 
every single one of us has got a call because Ephesians 2.10 says God prepared good works in advance for us to do. Therefore, he's given us the good works prepared. So people will say, but I don't know what my good works are. Am I right? You know, what you're doing is where you should be, is your good works. That's mind-blowing, eh? <laughs> we make it all big. All, but you know, if you are a lawyer, that's what he's prepared for you. Now it's accepted. Be full of the Holy Spirit and say, okay, this is where I serve. I will be an atmosphere changer in my office. Not bash everybody with the gospel, but do the best that I can because I'm serving him. That's your good works. Wherever you are at is your good works that he has prepared for you. We waste energy trying to find more works, trying to find something. Instead of, no, this is it. I'm going to, today I will do, give my best in honor of God. I'll give my best. And then you find, oh, something new has opened up. But we waste energy looking, looking for my works. And Acts 17.26 says, Before time he apportioned where we would live. So I, I see people from all nations sitting here, as well as Greg and I. And you think before time he apportioned that we would be in the UK at this point in time. That's amazing. That means that nobody is... Uh, you know, nobody need feel like a foreigner if you've come from another nation into this nation because we together, as the church, we are all foreigners when we're out in the world, by the way. We're a bunch of foreigners. And praise God for that. We do not belong. So we are all foreigners linking arms where God has put us at this point in time He's given us everything. For Brixton, you have everything. You've got each brick, another brick in the wall, you know. You, you've, we are each living stones that make the whole. So every single stone playing his part brings about something whole in Brixton. Um, and each one is necessary. Every single one. Before time, he's apportioned. This is where you will be living in Brixton. That's amazing. And you would think, but I never thought I would be in Brixton. God said, I know. But you are in Brixton because I have a plan for you. Your presence there is an atmosphere changer because I've got you there for this season. And Father, I want to ask that that also goes deep into people. Deep, deep into people. That we all have a job. We all have a work to do. But it's not a looking for the work, it's just being. It's not a doing. You can't earn, earn anything by doing. But it's a being. And out of being, one then does. And then God gets the glory instead of, mm, look at someone, so aren't they good? So they need, you know, they're only doing what they've been gifted to do. So there's no big shots. We're all the same. We stand before God all the same. There's no pedestals. Everybody's got an anointing for their part. And so some people have got an anointing to plant a hundred churches. Oh, but I only gave the gospel to one person and got, you know. 
they're going to get a hundred jewels. <laughs> if you are delighting in God in your heart and giving him everything of you, he's apportioned one person for you. Your one person to him gets as big a jewel as the hundred churches planted. That makes sense. When you are doing what God has apportioned for you, how can he apportion a hundred churches for that one and give them a hundred jewels and you only get one? He's not like that. Do you see? But we must be responsible for what is given us. You know the talents? The, you know the story of the talent? Be responsible for what is given us and do walk and do what we're supposed to do with what he's given us. And then you get the same jewel as Billy Graham and his, I don't know how many people he preached and came to the Lord. But Billy Graham will get the same jewel as you for obedience. That makes sense. We get jewels for obedience. I want, I want to obey so that I can put the jewels at his feet. Make sense? Yeah, but we're trying so hard. Yeah, but they gave five prophecies and I only gave one. <laughs> but the Bible says compare yourself with yourself and not with others. Because if God has apportioned five prophecies for them and one for me, let me bring my one. And God applauds and says, well done, good and faithful servant. But we look at the other five. When we lived in Bermondsey, we had the privilege of going to the Olympics, to the Paralympics. And um, I watched the runners. And there's um, uh, visually impaired. I'm thinking of the right terms to use. Visually impaired. That's quite mind-blowing. Because how do they run in the lanes? But there was a seeing person next to them, kind of on, you know, on the wrist, who ran at the same speed. Quite amazing. And I watched this as the, the seeing person would push the person back in the lane and so on. And I felt God speak to me and say, we are all running in a lane. And what he's now, as we run from the starting blocks every day, Worshipping him. As we run in our lane, what he's prepared for us to do comes to meet us. You don't even have to go looking. It looks for you. Doesn't make it easier? Because we started with him. Lord, I give my day to you. And then we walk. It's not, now, what do I do? It is relax. Enjoy the day. Enjoy people. Let the glow of God be on one's face. Instead of the misery. <laughs> But then he said to me, we've also, we also run blindly. Because what's going to happen? But the Holy Spirit who lives in us, he's not even attached to our wrist, he's in us. He guides us and keeps us in our lane. So that in the end we get the prize. Isn't that amazing? And you think, out of the Olympics. But it made a massive impression on me. How God uses these things to just wake one up. Um, to, to, to truths, really. Um, any questions? Who's filled with the aroma of Christ? Yeah. I want a few hands. Oh, that's more hands than there were this morning. 
but it is. It's a learning. It's a walking. It's a not being embarrassed to own. You know, when I teach at Bible colleges, one of the things I teach on is spiritual warfare. And people think, she's going to talk about demons all day. <laughs> because that's what's come. If you mention spiritual warfare, it's demons and screaming and shouting and so on. But that is maybe a quarter of it. Three quarters is how we live. How we live according to this. And I don't mean legalistically, I must now live a good life. It is, if the Bible says, I'm seated in heavenly places. I am seated in heavenly places. I will declare it. We declare too little. We declare negative about ourselves instead of the positive. And so to be able to say, I'm a child of God, chosen before time. He thinks I'm great. I'm seated in heavenly places. I can give Jesus a nudge because I'm right there with him. Do you see? Hello. That kind of. But it is. He no longer calls me servant, but friend, it says in John 14, 15. Um, and as I declare it, the enemy says, oh no, she knows who she is. That is spiritual warfare. As I say to people, what's your gifting? And they put their hand up. I can bring a few prophecies. I'm this, I'm... I say, you know what? That's spiritual warfare. It's owning. Spiritual warfare is owning what the Bible says about us and living that way um, by declaring who we are more than, oh, it's all about demons. It's about keeping demons away from my life by being biblical is spiritual warfare. That makes sense. And it's not pride to declare what God has said. It's actually truth. And if we get falsely humble, I can't say, I know that I'm quite a good prophet. But I can't say. That opens the door to unbelief. Because it's not biblical. Do you see? And that's how the enemy sneaks in. I better not declare this. I know this is what the Bible says, but I better not say it because who am I? And the answer is, well, you're nobody. And I'm a nobody, but he lives in me and makes somebodies out of nobodies. Because it says he hasn't chosen the, um, he's chosen the weak and the foolish things. We fit. How wonderful we fit. It's not many wise and this and that that he's chosen. So we fit. And because we fit, we can say, oh, I'm so full of him. And when one declares that, you feel the presence. We're waiting for the presence. Just declare his glory. Declare who you are in God. Declare to each other, you know, I am chosen before time. I am glorious and wonderfully made. Sounds odd, eh? It's like foreign language on our lips. But that's what the Bible says we are, and that is spiritual warfare. Um, there's that teaching about the sovereignty of God and God's yes. will. Yes. Oh, yes. And a lot of times when that's taught, that's taught contrary to what we're teaching. Yeah. Oh, well, then you want me to drift that way a bit? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Isn't it lovely that we don't have to be religious, that we can joke and laugh and, you know, and just have fun? We're family. 
and God chuckles with us. If we find things amusing, how much more God? Because he was, he made amusement. He made us to be full of fun and happy. The sovereignty of God. I believe totally in the sovereignty of God. My whole life runs on the sovereignty of God. My security lies in He's over everything. He knows the beginning from the end. He knows. Where I had to learn about was things happen. And you look at the things, bad things happen. And you think, hmm, look what's happened. And especially when people did me wrong. And I've had quite a bit of that. And your whole being goes to, look what they did. And how dare they. And I'm innocent. Oh, you know, once we're always innocent. And look at them. <laughs> and look at them. And I feel God said, now, lift your head. You see, he's sovereign. He knew what was going to happen. He allowed it. That takes a bit of, but if you allowed it, you could have, because sometimes bad things happen. You could have stopped it. And then you learn a new aspect of God. It's like a diamond and the new facet. And you think, how do I cope with this? How do I cope with, you know, it's not gentle Jesus, meek and mild now, a Christmas baby there. This is, oh, he's sovereign, but he allowed something. We have a daughter, our daughter in Cape Town has a, a kidney disease. And it's like, I was in the townships doing all this stuff. And there was a, with this highfalutin name, kidney disease, and it's like, how could you do that? How could? And I had to learn to look at him and say, well, you allowed that. You didn't do it, you allowed it. He doesn't do bad. But things happen in the world. You allowed it. But you mean good for me. Therefore, you're saying to me, Angela, get through it. I've put enough in you. I've put enough in you to get through it. And so my, no matter what happens now, I look at the situation and then I look up and say, okay, you allowed that. Now, let me get that grace. I will keep on going. I will trust you. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him? Do you see? It's choices that we make. Um, Joshua said to the people, um, make a decision today who you're going to follow. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And for a long while in our house in Cape Town, we had that up at our front door. Because there's choices, there's decisions one makes all the time. Will I believe him? Will I? Will I? Or am I going to give up on him? Or am I going to hold bitterness towards people and unforgiveness and so on? And when God allows, say something happens, um, and there's unforgiveness, and you think, but look what they did to me. Lord, look what they did to me. And he says, yes, but what are you going to do? How are you going to let this affect you? That's the thing. So I had somebody who gave me a pretty hard time in Cape Town. And I would go to the side of Table Mountain in the bushes and debrief with God and say, look what they did. He did. And he said, and God would say to me, and look at you, your attitude. Yes, but look at. No, but Angela, your attitude. But he 
And, and God had to teach me, no, I'm responsible for me and how I react to what people are doing. So I spoke on forgiveness at a, a ladies' conference. And a lot of ladies came forward to, you know, to declare they need to forgive. It was, it was brilliant. But then after lunch, it was over. A woman, 26, 27, came running to me. And she said, I don't like you. <laughs> okay. And, you know, we do like people to like us. It's quite a thing. <laughs> what it is. You want people to, and then someone comes with, I don't like you. And I said, why? And she said, you spoke about forgiveness. You don't know my story. And she said, when I spoke about forgiveness, she wanted to get up and walk out, but she couldn't. Then she wanted to go home at lunchtime, but she couldn't. And so she had to come and tell me, oh, God is wonderful. He is so wonderful. Um, and the power of God in her just kept her there. And, um, and she said, um, 10 years ago, I was raped by a whole gang of men and they all landed up in prison and so on so it was a serious thing um, and she said I have a son out of that I don't know who the father is his name is Oscar and I love him but I don't know how to love him because there's something and I it's so tricky I had to say have you forgiven the men she said forgiven no how could do you know what you know what they did and I had to explain, when you forgive, you're setting yourself free. It's not about declaring that person uh, well, didn't do it, or that those gangsters didn't do it. It's declaring yourself free. And, uh, oh, it took about an hour to talk her through this. It's so scary. It's so responsible. You feel, I just want to hold her and say, oh, I know. But I can't because this is dealings with God. And eventually she said, she said, I think it's time to forgive. And you think, oh. So I said, okay, in your mind, can you picture the men? She said, their faces march through my mind every night. I haven't slept properly for 10 years. Do you see what, what happens? Torment happens. And I said, take them out of your mind and put them in your hand. Now that they're in your hand and they're quite small now, where they're big in your mind, you can crush them and you can see the fingers go. But then you'll have blood and bones on your hand, really. Or you can give them to Jesus and say, Jesus, I forgive these men and I hand them to you. And I want you to think of each man and say, man, I forgive you in the name of Jesus. Let them march through. And she did that. That's brave. Yeah. Do you know the atmosphere changed? She gave them to Jesus. And then I said, now I want you to do something even more difficult. I want you to bless them. Because the Bible says, bless those who curse us. And to be raped is like being cursed. I want you to bless them. It's like, oh. And I said, that's what the Bible says. And you use the Bible. Bless those who curse. Bless and do not curse. We're very quick to curse and hold grudges. Bless and do not curse. And through gritted teeth. And you know it's okay to do it through gritted teeth? Because we must be biblical, not emotional. But I'm waiting. I, I don't feel like forgiving. My emotions. You'll wait forever. 
That's the thing. You wait for your emotions. You wait forever. Be biblical, not emotional. And through gritted tears, she said, Lord, I bless them in the name of Jesus. And then she shouted that my hair rose. Now a little boy is 10. His name is Oscar. Oscar, I love you. Oscar wasn't there as a ladies' meeting, and very few women were there. But she screamed because she was free to go home and love Oscar for the first time out of freedom. So if there's anybody here today who needs to forgive and be freed up, today's the day. Please don't walk out of here with baggage because do you know when you carry unforgiveness, no matter what anybody's done, you are actually opening the door to the very demonic we're talking about. And you're saying, Satan, you can come and mess with my brain and torment me. Because that's what Jesus said. He gave that parable of the man who owed the king. And then uh, he went to the king and said, I haven't got it. And the king said, okay, I will cancel your debt. Then the next minute, somebody lesser with less, who owed less, comes to the one who's just forgiven and says, uh, I can't pay you. And he throws him in jail. When the king hears that, he says, turf him out where there will be torment. And so you see, that's what happens. We've got to remain biblical without being legalistic. Um, when we don't forgive, we actually open the door to torment. And you find the very people who have done you wrong go round and round in your mind. And they, they're free in, in their own right. But they are you are allowing them to control your thoughts. You know what I'm talking about. We all go through it at some point. And Father, I want to ask for a freedom here today in the name of Jesus. Does that explain a bit of sovereign? Or do you want a bit more sovereign? You good? It's a sovereign. God is in charge of the big picture. And we move within his sovereignty so secure. Because even if you die, it doesn't matter. It is, you know, our, our days have been apportioned. I'd rather die well doing what, being where God is, than being out of his will doing, oh, well, I'll do my own thing. I don't like that. It's, it's, it's about seeing, look at the Bible, worship him, love him, accept what it says. The Bible is about acceptance. You know, I saw somebody put on Twitter a few weeks ago. God bless Twitter. It tells you everything. <laughs> anyway, somebody put on Twitter, courage it is not an emotion. It's a decision. That's quite profound, eh? Courage is not an emotion. What? Oh, I, I know I must go and do that, but... Oh, I don't have the courage. I can't. It's not an emotion. You'll wait forever if it's an emotion. It's a decision. I will. And when you step out, courage comes to meet. And so looking at the Bible and accepting I'm a child of God, filled with the Holy Spirit, his presence. I'm a carrier of his presence, giving his presence away. You all came in here and you brought his presence with you. And as we sing, it kind of wafts around and blesses everybody. That's who we are. It's an 
I think today is an acceptance day. Do we accept what the Bible says about us? Or do we still, yeah, but you don't know me. Yeah, but God does. And he still says you're all right. <laughs> but that's the thing. You're all right. He speaks all right over all of us. Yeah, we are all right. And so the sovereignty is our protection and our getting right, getting our attitudes right as we deal with things. Um, but he sees from the beginning to the end, which makes me so secure. Yeah? Does that help? Whoever asked? We're going to have a little ministry time. You want a bit of ministry time? Yeah. I want to read to you. I'm going to break you up into threes. And I don't want husbands and wives or best friends or whatever. Go to people who you don't know too much about or whatever. Um, and I want you... And I'll pray before we're going to be, you just breathe in Holy Spirit power. Because he's in us and he's all around. He's just everywhere. He's just unavailable. And it's to, to pray with someone knowing that you've got everything to give to them. And this is a giving away day. As well as receiving, but it's a giving away day. And we're going to pray God's blessing on people. That's an easy one. And we see what God does. In number 6, from verse 22, it's called Aaron's blessing. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And I want, I'm not saying that that's what you're going to do, but this is the next thing. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. So as we speak blessing, God comes and blesses. Isn't that powerful? So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. So often we think, but what's a blessing? It has the full weight of God behind as we bless people. Um, and anybody can do it. It's an easy thing to do. When Jesus sent the 72 out, he's, the Bible says, he sent them to the towns and villages where he was going to go. That's quite a verse, right? Eh? So they went and he came behind them. And so as we bless, he comes and he does something. So I want you to get into threes and I want you to speak blessing and then see what happens. And then if there's time, I will speak a bit about prophecy. No? Yeah. Father God, will you come and fill us up to overflowing? Um, and Lord, I know you will. Because we're your kids. And we need you and we want you and we have you really. 
So will you come and do things that we don't expect? Will you come and use us in totally new ways, in Jesus' name? Amen? Do you find it easy to pray with each other? Everybody here. Right. Did you find that easy? Some people not, some people did. And those who didn't find it easy, did you find it getting easier? Or was it difficult all the time? <laughs> Did things happen? Anybody want to come and tell us what happened? Now there's a new one. <laughs> they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Testimony actually builds up. Who's going to be brave? We started by praying generally um, and just really um, plugging into the things that Angela was sharing you know, about God's heart and God's love and just reiterating those things and reminding ourselves of them um, and I think there was a, another general prayer and then um, I had it was just so simple um, just as I was thinking of the name of somebody in our group um, and then somebody else and I had that and then somebody else prayed but I didn't didn't let it go and so I went back to it and said what I felt um, kind of built on that and what God was saying through that. And it was it was the word I felt from God for that person of blessing and of significance. And it had a huge effect um, on that. And it just and as I was saying it, I was just overcome with tears, which seemed ridiculous, but anyway, um, because it was a simple thing, but I kind of I felt the overwhelmingness of it, and it was obviously having an overwhelming effect on the person for whom God had given that word. And I suppose it's an encouragement to us, really, that things can be so simple, but we need to speak them out. And it's as we speak them out, they, you know, God empowers them, and they have such an effect. And if we don't, it's as though we're robbing one another of something very special that God is wanting to do. One more? Come on, who's going to step out? Shall I pick on somebody? I won't do that. Ooh, well, there you are. seems small but it's the sense that when you pray for someone you just have an understanding that you just don't feel that you would have in yourself and you're just open to maybe what God's going to say through you um, 
And that's what I felt. And it was certainly interesting to hear when Owen prayed for me, he said something about it was as if, you know, I hadn't fulfilled what I had hoped for in the past. Now, when you get to my age, <laughs> you suddenly realise there's a there there's sort of long periods in your life when you haven't fulfilled what you were, when you were um, moving in the Holy Spirit and, and things were very exciting. Um, it's interesting to hear what's been said today because I was involved in a little church and we certainly moved in the things of the Holy Spirit, but it got very troubled. And as a consequence, it kind of hurts you and you sense you slightly pull away from it. And I could think of some of the characters in the church, one in particular, who I just felt I had to get away from in the end. But in a sense, he was in many ways used by God uh, in very, very dramatic ways. But it was something that Owen said that said that, you know, you've got to carry on moving in because, as Angela said, the enemy comes in. He will disappoint you. He will try and mess things up. But God just carries wanting to do these things in people's lives. He wants to see people healed, hearts mended. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Owen, what did you think? What did God do? Well, I, I judged on what happened in the, the group I was in. So, yeah, so I was just praying for, for, for two guys and uh, I was praying a blessing and I, I felt, for one, that very strong sense of um, God is putting a thirst in you again that you've had in the past and this time it won't disappoint because life goes on and you can get to the point you can look back and wonder. And then for the other guy who um, I've actually known for a while, has been in and around the church, but at times I felt he's probably felt of himself as weak, just making it. And it was like God said, um, I'm so pleased with you mm. and your faithfulness has mm. brought you here mm. and God's going to bless you as a result. And so, uh, yeah. That's, right. that's brilliant. Because do you see how our... our what we think simple way of doing things, the power. Because God adds the power to our words when we speak and things happen. I want all the prophetic people, not the pathetic ones, <laughs> the prophetic people to stand up, please. This takes courage, huh? Now you sh haven't you learned to be me by now? I would have thought if you were born again, every single person would be standing up. I'm not. I didn't say. I didn't say those with a gift of prophecy. I said the prophetic people. <laughs> yes, start again. I want you to sit down. Please. 
Will all the prophetic people please stand up? <laughs> because to be a child of God, you have to be prophetic to hear him. He called us. You've got to have been prophetic to become born again. Do you see? To read the Bible and understand it, you've got to be prophetic. And so already there was a divide. When I said prophetic people stand up and some did. And, and, so. and yet Paul said, I wish that you were all prophetic. Because you can sit down now. There's the gift of prophecy, but so often people don't know that they even have a gift of prophecy because they look at the full-blown prophet or whatever. It is, and they think, I can't do that. And therefore, they discount them. But we as a people are prophetic, and we hear God. The Bible says, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. And some people hear a voice, some people, it, it's in different ways or through the Bible or whatever. But it wasn't so, he didn't say, those who ha are highly prophetically gifted will hear a voice behind them. He says, you will. If you are a child of God, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Father, I want to ask for a new understanding, something to come off people's minds today about the them and us, that together we become a prophetic people and that people will work in whatever gifting they have been given. I want to ask for words of knowledge, for, um, for gifts of healing, for the full-blown prophetic, plus people moving at different um, stages of the prophetic to actually come alive so that we hear God, because God lets his prophets know before he does anything. Isn't that amazing? He lets his prophets know. And I want to ask, Father, for a people who hear you and get to know. I want to ask that those who are prophets will be recognized, that something will happen, but that people will be prophetic, whether they think they're prophetic or not. I want to ask for the discounting of oneself as a prophetic people to be broken this afternoon in the, in the name of Jesus. It's over. We say to principalities and powers, it's over. The church is rising up with a new roar. And you see, as a prophetic people, we help the body of Christ become mature. This is, this is the job of the prophetic people. So it's not just Owen's job or other elders or other leaders. Is this our job? To help bring, bring about knowledge of God and his heart for his people. You're able to do that? They prepare people for the good works which God has prepared in advance for them to do. Yeah. One is able. This, I'm reading to you your inheritance. They act out God's heart as they read the Bible and get stirred by it and then do whatever it says. Are you prophetic enough for that? I, the nodding is more, you know. 
They bring encouragement and build up the body, but may also stand against oppression and injustice in the world. They are God's show and tell. So we are God's models, wherever you are in work or whatever, and I'm going to speak about that tomorrow, being a Christian out there. Um, we are God's show and tell. That's prophetic. Anybody would like to own the prophetic again? Abel? The main gifts of the prophetic. Now I'm going into. Now, you know, if you want any of this, say, I'll have it, Lord. The Bible says eagerly desire. So I want you to be greedy. You are allowed to be greedy because God will give you or, or what's in you will be stirred up. The vocal gifts is prophecy. Who prophesies here? I see that hand, yes. There's more of you here that can actually do this. And I don't mean about this microphone. I'm talking about to each other. You know, sometimes I'm in prayer meetings. I love prayer meetings because I can listen and I can gauge where people are at or the feel of a church comes out in prayer meetings. Um, and I hear people pray, but they're actually prophesying. So people find it easier to prophesy in prayer and I want to get them to actually bring it because they then don't walk in the good of the prophetic that they brought because they prayed it and it's fine, but we need people to declare it. Tongues. Interpretation of tongues. Ooh, there's a big wavy hand there. <laughs> That was a big wavy hand. Then you get the revelatory words, the word of knowledge. Once or twice. That's all, if it's once or twice, that means you can do it more. But do you see? It is eagerly desired. Lord, what have you got today? What have you got for, for the people? How can I bless people? It's not, I wonder it's going to be singing today. Hope Owen has got a good preach going. And you know, you know that kind of thing. It is how are we going to serve the church? How how are we going to serve the preacher? How are we going to serve um, the worship team? Um, is there a word you want to bring? Or in the coffee time, you see somebody and they're miserable. Your faces, and we can't allow people to come in miserable and go out miserable. Father, give me a word. What are the can I go and do for them? Do you see? We are people at work. And so we are there to build each other up on a Sunday. Then we when okay, I'll do out in the world tomorrow. But for us here, you know, when we're together like this, the prophetic flows at a very high level. Because when there are prophetic people or prophets in the midst, for their impartation flows to everybody and then we can all prophesy isn't that exciting that means when you come in on a Sunday when it says we each have a we each have a word or psalm or, or encouragement and so on to give to others word of wisdom 
And wisdom isn't the same as a word of knowledge. A word of knowledge is something gets opened up for one. And you kind of, well, there's somebody here who, on that section, who has a problem with, um, I'm making it up now, uh, with one leg shorter than the other, just say. Um, and that person will get up, and then one can either speak healing or it's a matter of if God speaks a word about that, he wants to do something. So the faith level of when words of knowledge comes must be very high. Um, because he wouldn't play games and give a word of knowledge if he was going to do something. Someone works into that without taking responsibility for are they healed or not. Um, but wisdom is when a word of knowledge comes or prophecy comes and you're actually able to know how to use it. Or when, at times, when I'm counseling somebody and I listen to them and uh, I have all the answers in my head. Ah, okay, I'm going to answer this and that and that. And then I do answer. And it's like, the answer that comes is not what I would have thought. And I listen to myself answering in ways that I didn't expect. And I get to watch God at work as he uses the gifting um, to bring a wisdom in there. It's also changing whole atmospheres, bringing wisdom in meetings. Um, and w so wisdom, when people say, what can we pray for you? I say, oh, oh, I need wisdom. I just want wisdom all the time. I'm greedy for wisdom because what I do is quite responsible and I need wisdom in how to keep following God, God's heart, hearing from him and so on. Discerning of spirits. Prophetic people can discern spirits. Um, it's not, by the way, deliverance and discerning of spirits uh, and so on. Or deliverance is not a gift of the Holy Spirit. People will come and send people to me and say, oh, you, you are, um, what is the word? Uh, well, no, 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 not that word. That's, <laughs> that's going a bit too much. You're a specialist in that. You know, the day we become a specialist in any of the gifts, we've lost it. Because of gifts, only God is the specialist of the gift. We are always the learners who are doing it. We're not specialists. Um, and a specialist in deliverance, it's just, I don't see it in the, in the <coughs> gifts of the Holy Spirit. We all are discerners of the Spirit. We can discern good from evil. We can discern what's going on if we tune into and become aware. And it's a practice. Everything is a practice. So, you know, the keyboard, whoever played the keyboard, you were brilliant. And you played there while, you know, things were going, and praise, and I think, how does she know that she would do that now? <laughs> but she's practiced. Funnily enough, we don't think of the gifts like that. We want them to kind of come out of us or fall on us full-blown. But as you practice, you get a bit more confidence and you get brave. Oh, that worked. Let me try it again. And God just adds to. And so practice as much as you can in your groups at home. Practice. I'm going to give it a go. I learned that little phrase here in the UK. You guys are good at giving everything a go. We're going to give it a go. So I give it a go and see what will happen. And I think God is attracted to faith and attracted to people who give it a go. 
to see what he will do. And he just loves to come and, oh, look, they're giving the go. Come on, I'm going to go and do something because he just loves doing that. The power gifts, faith, uh, gift of faith. I want to ask Father for an impartation of the gift of faith from those who have it to those who eagerly desire it. I want to ask, Lord, in the name of Jesus, because there's faith. We all needed faith to be saved, and we all got faith. But the gift of faith is uh, believing God beyond. It's like nothing. Even when everything looks like it's going wrong, it's like, but I keep on going because he said, so I will. And it's very supernatural. Miracles, we do like miracles, don't we? And healings belong to prophetic people, by the way. I want all the prophetic people to stand up, please. You see what I'm getting at? This is your inheritance. I spoke to you first about who we are in God and about my grandson's inheriting. This is our inheritance. We're a prophetic people. You may sit down. Sometimes we look at prophetic and we all want to. We love the prophetic and we'd love a word and so on. But you know, start moving in your own words. Start giving it a go. Who knows? Who knows what God will do? When you step out. Prophecy could be encouragement, like God loves you and you are very valuable. Um, but prophecy can also be directional. God could show the prophetic person what he has for the one being prayed for. So you start praying for someone, like Owen was praying for that excellent gentleman. And suddenly Owen is praying things that make something come alive. And oh, I used to be like this. I must get back. And you think, where did that come from? It's that kind of thing. God shows us what's in people. So I pray with people, and tonight I will be doing some praying. And I will start praying with them. And then things drop in my mind, and I start uh, speaking it. And you can, you know, and I just wait on God and see what happens. And I lead them through the process. But I've got to step out to do it. It doesn't just, well, I'll wait here and see. It's got, you know, courage is not an emotion, it's a decision. I will pray for, and then let's see what he will do. More than, I don't know what to pray. So I'm not going to go and pray for anybody because I don't know what to pray. That's why you go and pray. You don't know, so you wait to see what he will do. It's as simple as that, but we make it complicated. It's one o'clock. Tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Tomorrow. I'm talking about out there. Uh, but the answer, oh, give it to them. <laughs> give it to them. Jesus was out there. The disciples were out there. We play, we do it all among ourselves. And this is our practice, where it is, this is safe, so we practice. So that Monday, I'm out there. Because the world is waiting. 
They go to all these shops to buy, the, as I say, the, the stuff to rub and all that, where we have, we supernatural, we are the ones that do the authentic. And so the world is needing to see this. We talk so much, we do so little. We talk about all these things. They need to see it, but not from a stressed person, but a, this is who I am. This is what I do. What is the Christian CV? They advance the kingdom, they heal the sick, they raise the dead, they can drink poison, you know, and not the... No, don't go and drink poison. <laughs> but do you see, nothing can harm them that is not allowed by God, for instance, that makes them safe. But that's your CV. Oh, what do you do? I heal the sick, I raise the dead, I preach good news to the poor. Didn't Jesus say that? You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team, or upcoming events, please visit our website, which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.